Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. Friday, January 25th, 2013. This is the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely and spry Maya Strang. Hi. To her left, <laughs> Calvin Kearley. Good afternoon, everyone. Also spry. That only applies if you're he's, listening in the afternoon. He's drawing <laughs> yeah. like graphs. Uh oh. It yeah, looks like a graph. It's crazy engineering drawing. Oh, it's yeah. going to be it's one like, of those shows. It's, it's like a beautiful mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening right now. No, 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 guys, I, the I'm, gears are literally turning. Right? I've <laughs> almost figured out hovercraft. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> on the sky I block, lost it. On the skyline from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snaylin. Hello, friends. If if I, uh, I, I need to give the listeners a warning. Okay. Why? I am going to caffeinate myself heavily. Okay. Because for some reason we're on we're on a print week. We go to we go to print in a week with our with our ten year anniversary issue, and it's a very busy week uh, usually. Uh, and, and for some reason these last two nights, I have been up very very late, <laughs> doing completely useless things like <laughs> importing really old CDs into my music library. Oh, nice. Hence the Instagram and, and if photo. if anyone interrupts oh, you, you're like, don't, yeah. don't bother me. I'm in the middle of something. Yeah. So I, uh, last night I went to bed at four and the night before... Did you really? Stop. Yes. And the night before I, to I went to bed at you, like three. slipping things into your But you, these, this hasn't been because of a tiling project. No. What no, no. The our, tiling project is tiling on hiatus. Is, yeah. It's our bathroom. <laughs> our bathtub is full is of tools. Awesome. <laughs> well, he, half um, tiled, half not, no grout, whatever. He needs more music to listen to uh, while tiling. Right. Uh-huh. Last yeah. night, Very strategic. I uncovered so many gems in my <laughs> disc library that I that hadn't so, been digitized. I hadn't. I didn't have them in the cloud. So I got going. And once you get going, I mean, you just can't stop. It's hard to stop. It's just hard to stop. And the fun part was is I found a lot of like CDR mixtapes that I had made, mm-hmm. either for Maya or other people or myself. Other people? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> wait, wait. Were, wait. Were, were any of them called Gams Jams? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the one I made, Maya, the very first mixtape I made her was uh, Cameron Rocks Maya's World. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to be positive reinforcement when she looked down at the, at the right. disc and I went around. Right. Oh, yeah. Literally. I like that guy. That literally was the first CD yeah. you ever made. It, 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 it's really embarrassing when I was looking at the list. Like the very first song of the very first mixtape I ever made you was Lifehouse. Oh, yeah. Did you ever? You introduce had Jessie? her at Lifehouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I had in there. See, even then. I, so the CDRs when you import them, it's just it was, track one, two, three, four, five. It was There's no information. Two thousand, early two thousand one. So I have right. to like Shazam it. So that was the fun thing is I'm sitting there <laughs> playing the tracks, shazamming it, and going, "Oh yeah, shazamming left and it right." It was it was awesome. And so like when I lived in Nashville, I, I did quite a few mixtapes. But this is after Nashville. This is uh, late two thousand. For yourself or for other women? Both and okay. Mm, interesting. It was my mm-hmm. gift. Was it a well crafted mixtape? Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me, I know. I mean, Chad and I, the subscriber albums. Mm-hmm. I spend more time they basically with them. Are mixtapes? Yeah. For I spend. He spends time getting the great songs. Yeah. I spend more time. 
debating the flow of the lineup with him. <laughs> we spent hours in my office. Yeah. I should be running a company. Yeah. We're yeah. making official mixtapes. This is far more right. fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like switching track five with track nine. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No, dude, you have to create zones of flow. You have yeah. to move. You have to go up, then down. Yeah. I mean, there is. Okay, so here's the mixtape, the very first one. Now, this <laughs> is what wooed her and got her. Here it is. Uh-huh. Hanging by a moment by Lifehouse. Still love it. Great song. It is a okay? great song. There yeah, are that a few. cello, like droning in the background. <laughs> there are a few of these songs that really still hold up, okay? Uh, in a little while, you too. Oh, I didn't go with the hits. Tune. I didn't go yeah. with the hits on that album. Right. No. In a little while, surely you'll be fine. Really good. dug deep. Snuck it in. Deep cuts. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> the subtitle. Everybody's yeah. stalking. Badly drawn boy. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Another good that. one. Badly drawn boy. Fade into you, Mazzy Star. Mm. Oh, see. Oh, that's mm. the romantic. Yeah. It's a little like, romance right oh. there. Yeah. And then, and then we're gonna, then we're gonna transition. Okay, so we're gonna, so we went the indie kind of pop, chill. Now we're gonna transition. I have another side to me, a little urban. So, so we're gonna transition, <laughs> but we're gonna stay with the soul. So I threw a little Jill Scott in there, getting in the way. Okay, yeah. now we're in the urban. Now I can go all in. Here we go. <laughs> Bust a move, young MC Sweet. is bringing the jam right next. Boom! Now your now your head's bopping. You're like, man, this guy's got some feelings. He's salt, but man, he's fun. He's a lot of fun. Uh, Passing me by by the Far Side, my favorite song of all time. Mm. Quality Control, Jurassic Five. Remembers 2000. Weekends, Black Eyed Peas. This is pre Fergie Black Eyed Peas. Right. Good Black Eyed Peas. This is when they were good. Yep. Right. They were cool. Weekends, Black Eyed Peas. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the with the hip-hop. I showed her my fun side, a little old school, a little new school at the mm-hmm. time. Now I'm going to show her I can rock out too. Okay, so Renegades of Funk, Rage Against the Machine. Boom. Wow. Funky. Boom. Papercut by Linkin Park is one of my missteps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one of the ones wow. I, I'm regretting in hindsight. Yeah. Okay, and, and now, officially, in my iTunes cloud, I have a song by Linkin Park. So <laughs> I kind of regret that. On several levels, okay, okay. Then, then it's kind of like, okay, now we're gonna, I'm gonna bring it back on the indie tip because I gotta bring it back. This is, you know, I want her to have a good last taste after that Lincoln Park. If I told you this was killing me, would you stop? By the Juliana Theory. Oh, such a great song. Yeah, a title track by Death Cab for Cutie. Life in Rain by Remy Zero. One of my favorite albums of all time, that Remy Zero album. How will you know? You stormed from a small thin light. We're torn from the old frames. There's no one here to pull you back again. And then last, we're, we're killing it, ending it with Please Forgive Me by David Gray. And that, folks... That worked. <laughs> it did work. You kind of have me I, right now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, aside, Leakin Park is. Yeah, the yeah, that's the one misstep. I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? Hindsight, come on. At least I didn't have any, like. At least there's only one bad song. Right. Right. There was a lot of bad music, like Fred Durst type stuff at that time. And right. I, 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 I said You managed no. to avoid that. I, yeah, you didn't no. start the album with one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Maya, it, I'd be curious for you to walk us through your initial your initial yeah. listening of that and what your responses were 
Like, I, were you thinking the same I things that he was head saying? I fell over heels for him in like two seconds. Right. That's it's, ridiculous. It was, well, because well, this was our soundtrack. It was Lifehouse. Lifehouse. Yeah. Lifehouse. <laughs> he had me at Lifehouse. And then I found I found <laughs> other stuff I made I made do. One I had labeled bangers and jams, mm-hmm. and I and I and I and I pulled it up. It was all like hip hop and like like R and B. You made a couple, but that first one. I mean, that's why I still have that one. Right. Oh, I made. So then I went genre specific mixtapes. I did an indie mixtape. I was trying to get her to. You know, introduce her to a lot of that music. She was more of a pop listener, and then I wanted to give her a kind of a discography of hip hop. So I made her like those, and you know. Anyway, I found them all last night, and of course I'm up till four in the morning. So that's going to make that tiling project really just whip on by. (laughs) Yeah, it will. I'll love. Yeah, you're just in a trance. Later later this year, when that's actually finished, I'll let you guys know. I, I mean, I set up like I have a. I kind of refurbished my home office then, and I I also like set up like air tunes and I oh, have yeah. like his office is is awesome, guys. incredible. Wow. I have speakers that envelop you in Lincoln Park. I mean, just my envelop you. Not so much. Yeah, our bathroom is still undone, but my office is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, I'm a little punchy today. So look out. Speak, speaking of punchy, can I can I just uh. I was I was perusing my Facebook feed this morning, and I noticed that a post by well when I say this morning this past week when listeners are listening to this, to and I guess it was a couple of days ago. But you know how Facebook is; it shows up at weird times. Mm-hmm. Where you Cameron made a post about the Lone Bellow. Yeah, incredible. And uh, you know how excited you were about their album release. And there was a guy who posted on the thread, and podcast listeners think it's funny because we had this discussion recently. There's a guy uh, that posted on the thread that said, uh, you know talent when you see it. I guess that's why, you know, Billboard named you the top music executive at Warner. Right. Like the camera that shares right. your oh, name. Right. Yeah. You, you said, that's a different person. I don't work at Warner. He says, nice try. <laughs> And he says, that's, really? he says, uh, you know, deny, deny, deny. You go back and say, I really can't tell you if I'm joking, but uh, yeah. it's Google it. I'm not him. The guy then jumps in and says, that's not working. You're only digging yourself deeper. Yeah. I, at that point, How do it I took not know everything about in my power not to jump in the discussion at that point and say, don't listen to him, Bruce. I know him personally. <laughs> it's the same dude. <laughs> He's lying. Well, the, the, the reason why the reason why he said all that was that his first post was, "Hey, you know, good music. Congrats on on being named one of the top executives. Hey, I'd really like to connect. I have some stuff I'd like to talk to you about." And that's when I replied to him and said, "No, no, that's not me. You know, he wanted to pitch me stuff. So then he thinks I'm telling him that I'm not him because I'm trying to avoid, you know, him pitching me stuff. And I'm like, dude. Google Cameron Strang. There are two different faces that come up. There are two of us. He's like, whatever, you know, like he's trying to and still at pitch that point, me stuff. What I could wow. tell you were getting like maybe a little annoyed by it. I wanted to jump in and say, no, trust me, it's him. He is lying to you. Send him your stuff. He loves it discovering took all my new power music. Not to do that, uh, you would screw this guy, man. He would. He wouldn't know what to believe. That's at that hilarious. Point. Yeah, right. it's on my page right now. Yeah. Oh, I gotta go look at it. <laughs> All right, we have a great show for you today. We have jam packed. We have so much good content that we're just like doubling up on all these episodes. I don't know if you noticed, like last week, you know, I mean, we're just the chocked full would be a term that would be apropos for the podcast in this season. Another chock full episode. Uh, coming up later, we, we talked to an amazing hip hop artist. We're big fans. Propaganda is coming up. He's also in the new issue of Relevant. 
Uh, and then we also talked to an amazing teacher, author, pastor, Shane Hips. Shane Hips hmm. is coming up later on the show. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, January 29th. We're already in January. The year's flying by. Going by so fast. Fiction Family, the John Foreman side project, is coming out with Fiction Family Reunion. Our friend Andy Barron uh, shot the cover for that. <laughs> I feel like you, you should review all of these as Cameron Strength from Warner. <laughs> from <music>. Warner. <laughs> I received early demos of this project and didn't feel it fit my country music label that I run at Warner. He right. runs a country music label, <laughs> by the way. Well, you're th- saying he as if he. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Bruce from Facebook talking to you. Right. We know. Tegan and Sarah is coming out with Heartthrob or Hearthrob. I don't know. It, lo- it looks like. It looks no, I, I think it is Hearthrob. It's yeah. this guy, Rob, that likes to cook soup in his, in his home. <laughs> it's Hearth. <And laughs> Hearthrob. Yeah, he's, it's a cool concept album. The Ember, yeah. the Ember Days is coming out with More Than You Think. Great worship album right there. Local Natives coming out with Hummingbird. Guess what? What? I saw something new while I was organizing my iTunes last night. Mm. Ah, I think I know what you're going to say. Local Natives, I've never seen them do this before. Local Natives is streaming their album for free on iTunes. Yeah. So right there on their iTunes page, you can, on the left, you can stream it, you can listen for free, or you can buy it with a click. They've never done that before. And this might be their version of going after Spotify or might be the beginnings yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. But to hear a whole album for free on iTunes, they've never, never. done that before. Mm, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. So local I'll natives, you can go here for free on iTunes yeah. while you're up until four in the morning burning mixtapes. <laughs> and our pick of the week, Leagues, you belong here. Leagues is one of our favorite groups out of Nashville. Uh, in fact, our next uh, subscriber album, which will come out in the next few days, uh, uh, which Chad and I have spent many hours crafting. Many, and actually, the reason we're into weeks, now. the reason why it's not out yet is we are we are seriously going back and forth, fine tuning the flow of this yeah. thing. We we get in these meetings, and like three hours later, Cameron's like, "Well, I got to run the company." I'm like, "Yeah, I've got a bunch of editing I got to do." Yeah. Well, we'll come back to it tomorrow, and then we do the same thing. So. But but like we're almost there. Yeah. The problem was there's like. Like he, Chad gets great songs, but you know, song, 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 song. No, you got to create an album, right? So, it's an experience. so yeah, we're trying to create an experience, and 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 he has oh, I think about twenty two songs on this one. Yeah, so Whoa. it's yeah, so it's like it's yeah, you, there's several. I mean, that's, you got to keep the attention all the way. That's through. what I'm saying, and you can't like get you can't get the lullaby lane. You can't do too many ballads back. Is that to why back. you like? Right. Is that why you sneak a Lincoln Park in there to kind of like wake you up? <laughs> Uh, that okay, you were making fun, but that is an actual strategy uh-huh. of crafting uh-huh. a good album. Is That's it? brilliant, Maya. You got You got to <laughs> have an arc, and then when the arc goes down, you got to. Yeah. You either can smooth Whoa, back happened? up, or you can just next Jar. track. Boom. Yeah. Track or eight. Or you can just link and park them. It's the. Uh, <laughs> what? Park Where did this come as from? A verb. This does not belong here. <laughs> we actually in this album we have a zone of like three or four really amazing hip-hop songs. So th- so this listener's album is actually not unlike the mixtape I made you back uh-huh. in 2000. Right in the middle, that little meaty part of the curve is hip-hop. Anyway, Leagues is on it. Yes. 
It's a great album. Fad Cockrell. Huge fan. And uh, Tyler Burkham, who used to play for Audio Adrenaline back in the day, wow. is their guitar player. Wow. It's a great record. So it's that. Uh, movies coming out on Friday, February 1st. Wow. Already in February. <laughs> Years flying by. <laughs> warm Bodies with a bunch of has-been actors. They're just Warm, warm Bodies. bodies. Uh, John Malkovich. I like John Malkovich. That was mean. Uh, and other people who I've never heard of. Just Warm Bodies. They just put out a casting call. It's kind of like Calvin last week. You were running oh, about yeah, 80, was, 80 degrees. Yeah, I'm a little warmer today. Are you in this movie? I am. It's a biopic. Pretty proud of it. <laughs> uh, do you know what it's about? It's about, no. uh, I think it's about zombies who fall in love. Oh, right. Or, or a I regular living person who falls in love with a zombie. Yeah, it's, it's it looks like kind of a... kind of go in reverse. Their hearts start beating and they become human. Oh, animals. wow. It's because of a really good mixtape. Right. Right, yeah. basically. <laughs> right. Uh, stand-up guys, Al Pacino, uh, Christopher Walken. What? Again, Calvin's in this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin actually... I, I did the the voiceover, the, voice the ADR work, because yeah. Christopher Walken was too busy, so I went back in the studio, and I helped him out. You'll be able to tell when it's me <laughs> <laughs> and when it's him. <laughs> it gets, like, weird. What, what is, uh, give, uh, tell us a scene from Stand Up Guy. There's a great scene in Stand Up Guy when Christopher Walken is talking to Al Pacino, and uh, they're at a drive-thru, and he's, mm-hmm. he's ordering a Big Mac, Yeah. Uh-huh. and Al Pacino... Uh, wants a milkshake and Christopher Walken says oh, it's a great scene Christopher Walken says is that's all you're going to order is a milkshake and then you know Al gets really upset and he's that there's so much more to order come on uh, it's something <laughs> something like that it's something like that it's it's hard to I really need the script in front of me yeah it's brilliantly written yeah it's a it's a 45 minute scene <laughs> like they have to pull off into the parking lot to get out of the line because they're holding everybody up and then they go back inside it's it's, it's, a, it's also one it's long shot right it's a constant shot <laughs> no edit right but they did add a bunch of CGI which I thought was weird mm. yeah yeah well, they got out of the drive-thru. They had to go inside and uh, well, that's while, why it's called sta- standing, that's standing up. That's why it's called stand-up guys. They're stand-up mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Yeah. They prefer to sit down. The sequel could be drive-thru guys. But yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like in reverse. They don't need to we drive because well, they've got, got, because they got that app talking walking. Right. Well, they got tired mm-hmm. standing up. So. Right. So, so the first half of the film is them in a drive-thru, <laughs> but then they bring CGI in. So I'm guessing the second half is just the plot of Ghost Dad. It's it's a lot like The Hobbit. Okay. <laughs> it's a it's a journey it's through a journey. McDonald's through McDonald's with Christopher Walken and right. Al Pacino. So yeah. in theaters everywhere. There's so much more to order. Come on. Uh, and last, <laughs> it doesn't la- even sound like him anymore. Last and least, uh, bullet to the head. Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I love it that he's not even trying anymore. It's like. It's like he has a bunch of scripts like laid out in front of him. Like, all right, all right, Stallone. Uh, you know, we got to pick the next movie. R- really keep them guessing here. You know, <laughs> they haven't defined you. And he just sees one that's called Bull to the Head. We're doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that, and there's that pivotal scene where he, he puts a bullet in a guy's head and the, and the other guy goes, you can't shoot a guy like that. And he goes, I just did. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever. It's like, Does it really say that? Yes. Yeah. Or something like that. How does it go, yeah. Calvin? Uh, uh, I... <laughs> Christopher Walken's makes so much more to order. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pictured the conversation with his agent. It's like, hey, listen, we got this new movie that come came down the line. I don't know. It's kind of uh, it kind of typecast you. The movie's called Bullet to the Head, and 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 Stallone's like, how literal is the title? And they're like, it's very literal. Stallone's like, end <laughs> done. Done. Uh, the most shocking thing about your your story of the behind the scenes pitch. Um, 
that Sylvester Stallone knew what the word literal meant. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Very impressed. All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned up next. Slices. You're listening to the Shout Out Louds. The song is Walking in Your Footsteps. It's a Linkin Park cover. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you would walk the moon with tightrope. You'd probably you'd need a tightrope if you're going to walk the moon. To, really? To tether yourself to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's, just, it's dangerous out there. Off there. I'm just, that's for the kids. You know, be safe. Safety first. That's all. That's all. Well done. <laughs> All right, it's time for slices. <laughs> what do you have, Jesse? All right, well, um, as as uh, most people in America or around the world know, uh, President Obama, his inauguration was this past week. Oh. Um, a big ceremony. Yeah, I didn't know if you guys realized he got reelected. Um, <laughs> and his, at his inauguration ceremony, a lot of people uh, were buzzing about it on social media, but there was one tweet uh, from a very prominent evangelical that got a lot of attention. Oh. Um, it came from Pastor Mark Driscoll. Are you guys familiar with this? Okay, so there's two ways yes. to handle crap like this. You either <laughs> pretend that crap like this doesn't exist, or you go Jesse's route and try to spotlight on it. So <laughs> hateful hate speech gets more attention than it deserves. So well, go, go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, okay, We're okay. all behind so you. That brings up a, that brings up a good point, though. Because I, I feel like, you know, Mark Driscoll, I, I, obviously I disagree. Just, just for context, for people who don't know, he said, praying for our president who today will place his hand on the Bible, a Bible that he does not believe in to take an oath into God he, he likely does not know. Obviously, that's an incredibly judgmental uh, and hateful statement. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and, and I don't bring it up to give Mark Driscoll more exposure. But I thought the reaction from other Christians um, was what uh, made this even a more notable story. Yeah. Uh, particularly from uh, a former, I believe he's a former pastor and currently the CEO of the group Hope Mob, uh, which connects people in need with uh, donors. Are you guys familiar with that organization? Yeah, and former, Sean yeah. King. Former podcast the, guest too. Yeah. So... Um, Part of the reason I bring it up is because I agree with you, Cameron. There is a right way and there's a wrong way. And there is just not acknowledging it uh, in how to respond to something. Um, but, but Sean King uh, did an at reply following that. And I'm going to tone, tone it down a little uh, for the little ears. Um, <laughs> but he said, at Pastor Mark, uh, kiss my Christian A for saying that. Uh, how dare you pass such an ugly judgment on him? He knows God and prays more than daily. He goes on to get more kind of angry. And then he says, how dare Pastor Mark or any one of you fake a Christian mother effers think you can say that but Barack he, Obama he doesn't. He said it all. He, 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 he did yeah, say it all? Yeah, exactly. I'm toning it down for the <sighs> sake of no God for himself. 
later today, he went on and, and he apologized for using the language that he did. But it was obviously a very impassioned and emotional response to it. Um, so all, all that to say is I think it does bring up the greater point of is it best just not to acknowledge something like this if it's going to cause an emotional reaction, even if the person saying it is someone who is a very prominent uh, member of a community that is looked at as somewhat representative, here, like here, Mark Driscoll is. Here's the thing. Mark wasn't the only leader. John Piper also, you know, he was famous for the farewell Rob Bell thing, which yeah. is just harsh. He, Piper, same day, said something also about the president that was really inflammatory as well. And it's like, I saw a lot of people that are more my friends and, and, and leaders that kind of said, listen, you know, when Mark did what he did on Monday, like, I know the controversy around Mark. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. I try to, you know, not write him off and stuff like that when he does stuff that gets people upset. But this, this is kind of the last straw for me. Like I, a lot of people that I follow were kind of taking that tone with it of like, yeah. you just can't do that as a Christian leader in a public platform. You can't say things. <laughs> you right. just can't say whatever. There's a greater responsibility. I feel that people with a platform have there's greater responsibility. stand for what you believe in, but there's a right and a wrong way, a Christ-like way <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to, to say what you believe and not have to, well, number one, as an American, just to say disparaging things about our president, whatever, whoever the president is, is just, come on. Exactly. Right. We're better yeah. than that. And as a prominent leader, as a Christian leader, it makes all of us look bad when our leaders kind of have bigoted speech in the public space, in- including what Sean King did. Right. You know, so it's like, yeah. we look both we look bad on both sides. And it's like... Well, and, and that's why I think it's there, there's a difference between giving a platform and extra publicity to a group like the Westboro Baptist Church, right. who is a hate group, who's only looking for attention and noting when a prominent and, you know, I guess it, to, to some degree respected leaders who generally could have contributions that may at times be controversial, but are generally looked at as good contributions to their community, say something that really needs to be addressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, it's, I don't think he just did it to, to get attention. Right. I agree. I just, I feel like when you are a prominent leader that are, that, uh, that is listened to and looked at by hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people, mm-hmm. you have a responsibility and you can't just say what you want to say. You can't react without a filter. You, you just can't. And maybe Mark wanted to say that. Maybe he knew everything that he was implying. Maybe he wanted the controversy right. of saying to America, Obama is not a Christian, you know, da 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 I don't know why he would do that. I don't know what point or what good that would do. Mm-hmm. But maybe he would. But what Sean did, what they both did, was irresponsible. For the body of Christ, right. it was irresponsible. If you if you want to teach on it or you want then write a blog, you know, <laughs> like how yeah. don't don't lob these grenades and then not. I think social media is a tool that the church especially doesn't know what to do with, and in situations like this, it, it it's harmful. It's harmful. Now specifically about what Mark said, I've sat in probably four 
rooms with Obama in the last five years. I disagree strongly with him on a lot of issues, okay? I, I disagree with him on several social issues. I disagree with him, obviously, on abortion. I agree, you know, disagree with him on several things. I disagree with Bush, too, FYI. But I've sat in at least four times, I've sat with Obama, where <clears throat> he's talked about his faith. I would say, back in 08, when he was a candidate, his honest discussion of faith was that uh, his, his connection to the church was as, as a social organization. I think he had a cultural Christianity. He didn't know, he didn't, I don't think he had a personal relationship with God at that point. Uh, I think he would ad- admit that. I think, my observation is, after having talked to him two or three more times and heard his testimony over the last few years. As that, president. Th- as president. That the pressures of the Oval Office d- drove him to his knees. Mm-hmm. And he encountered God. I know for a fact that he has evangelical pastors that I know and respect speaking to him regularly. I know for a fact that Josh Dubois, who headed up his faith office, who's an Assembly of God pastor, young guy, um, sent Obama daily devotionals that were written by national Christian leaders, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that there was a daily prayer and devotion time that the president had every day. I know for a fact that he initiated a prayer breakfast at the White House uh, the week of Easter that other presidents had never done. First time mm-hmm. they'd ever done. I was there. The East Wing of the White House. It was like 50 Christian leaders, and it was a very intimate, real prayer service in the White House. And that was Obama's doing. Okay, so disagree with him. Fine. Don't vote for him. Fine. But to say publicly that the man does not know God is something that we have no right to do. Only God can judge a man's heart. Only God knows. Yeah. And, 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 and it is irresponsible for any Christian leader, privately or publicly, to say otherwise. Yeah, you can look at the fruit. You know, the Reformed leaders, the Reformed, they, they actually judge somebody's faith by the fruit of their work. They're, they're more literal or tangible, and they can tell who's a Christian by the fruit of their life or whatever, more than some other streams of Christianity would say, more, well, it's a heart issue, and we all make mistakes. We all say, that doesn't mean we're not Christians. Okay, so I understand why he would look at Obama's policies and say, you are not a Christian. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is the, the guy talks to God every day. He has an orthodox theology of a belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who rose again and is the salvation. Now, five years ago, he was probably a little more like my wonderful, kind-hearted grandmother who was not a Christian. I would hope that God would accept her into heaven. I heard him say that. Mm-hmm. Then I heard him almost like changes theology. He probably still has that hope, but I think he understands more about traditional gospel theology and and has come to that belief, truthfully. So again, Mark Driscoll throwing a grenade from across the country, not knowing him, I think was incredibly irresponsible. And likewise, Sean shouldn't have done that, knowing his platform. Sean shouldn't have done that. And I think both guys probably would say, yeah, Mulligan, my bad. You know, well, well, I, I, Sean did essentially say that, yeah. you know, in, you know, saying, look, uh, forgive me for my anger. You know, I shouldn't curse. And, and I think for for a lot of our audience and probably everyone on this podcast, none of us are, you know, are going to find ourselves in the place of making a statement that is is ignorant and judgmental like Mark Driscoll's was. It's much more likely, maybe not on the same scale, but encountering opinions that invoke the same sort of anger 
And it is sometimes difficult to keep it in check, especially when that person represents your faith, even if it's on a small scale, like someone on your Facebook feed posting something ignorant, but they're a Christian, and, and, and it's, it's easy to let your anger and emotions get in control of you, especially on social media. Well, everybody has a platform now. Right. Everybody, everybody yeah. is an expert. Everybody right. has followers. Yeah. Everybody has feels like they need to tell us what they think about everything. And it's like, yeah, I had no idea that I had so many friends that were experts on gun control and the Second Amendment until the last two weeks. It's, <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's a new era, and we all need to be conscious about how to use these tools. You know, it's like we need to be responsible. We need to be aware that. These things are permanent. We think a right. tweet is fleeting. Right. I have an app that pulled up my fleeting comments from 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this stuff is permanent and it's out there and we have to be aware of it. And I shake my head at, at just confusion with the, when Christian leaders don't get that. Mm-hmm. But as individuals, we all need to be aware of that as well. I mean, we need to be aware that we are, you know, using the internet. I mean, like if you want to say it to the person's face, don't say it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, just have decorum, have civil... Res- I mean, it's just common Tact. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just common mm-hmm. sense. Tact. That's a good way to put it. Why couldn't he have ended the tweet after the first statement, praying for the president? Because that's yeah. what the Bible tells us to do, praying for our leaders. I wonder that's how- it. Stop right. there. So the second half of his tweet, I, I feel, negates the first half. Right. Like, if then you're yeah. praying for him wrong. It's like yeah. you're, yeah. <laughs> that I don't like, understand prayer. Right. Yeah. It's like, the butt statement. It's like it's yeah. like I, I I love you, but you're fat. I mean, as I, I I don't know. It's like I, what? Stop. Just say I love you. You're beautiful. Yeah. I love you because you're fat. Right. P H A T. Well, my first mixtape was called After. Fat and Fat and Sassy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. That's that two serious slices in a row. So heavy. Come on, Jesse. Oh, okay. I told you before, I, you said feel it out, and I felt like this would be a good discussion. Timely. It'd bring up a lot of contemporary issues of... People have been asking me, what what about Mark Driscoll? Like, what would, what do you think? What do you think? What do you, and, I, and I've literally ignored every one of them, because I didn't... I don't want to say... I don't want to talk negatively about other Christian leaders, but I just... I, to me, at the end of the day... We need to. We need in our disagreements to be civil and Christ-like. Uh, my slice is so not serious. <laughs> well, this is a good mixtape. This is good. a good mixtape. So Jesse brought the ballad. You bring the Lincoln Park. We're just shifting gears right, right now, and then That's it can fine. segue nicely into. Bring, no, I want to bring like the poppy, hip hoppy, like <laughs> early black eyed peas. Yeah. All right. Here's my slice, guys. Has everyone here seen The Princess Bride? It's a classic. Yeah. One of the greatest movies of all time, I would say. Doesn't hold up. Oh, it totally holds up. Nope. You, does, you don't think it holds I think up? you're just a Billy Crystal hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and City Slickers too. Oh, like, they, neither of them hold up. The legend movies. of Curly's Gold. <laughs> hey, good stuff. <laughs> if John Lovitz is in it, it holds up. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Slash. So, uh, one I'm of kidding, by the way. Everybody who's now questioning my comedy chops. About City I, Slickers? No. Too? <laughs> about Princess Bride. I, of course, a lot of, it's a classic. It's a lot of people that just then followed you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 come back. I like Princess Bride. <laughs> I like Princess Bride. So in Princess Bride, um, classic character is Inigo Montoya. Inigo. In, Isn't it Inigo? Inigo? My name is Inigo Montoya. Un, yeah. You, you killed my father, prepared to die. Yeah. Yes. So a guy in New Zealand's get on a plane. Sits down. A guy in New Zealand. A guy in New Zealand's getting on a plane, going somewhere, didn't say. Right, somewhere that the plane's going to go. The plane's going yeah. somewhere. He um, is As wearing a t-shirt. Do. 
from The Princess Bride. And all it says is, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's all. Mm-hmm. Apparently, awesome. he was surrounded by people on this plane that had never seen The Princess Bride <laughs> and totally freaked out by his shirt. Oh, my They made him gosh. change his shirt. They tried to. They couldn't find another shirt for him to put on. So he didn't end up, which would have been great if they made him take him off and just had to sit there without a shirt on. Oh. <laughs> or inside out or something. Or if the only other yeah. shirt options they had were like from 80s action movies. <laughs> yeah. Of like the last Arnold Schwarzenegger line at the end. <laughs> or Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. yippee ki <laughs> Finish the quote, Sean King. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Look, Too now soon? I got drawn into Too, soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um, <laughs> and it, he said it's like the flight attendant like everyone was totally serious around him but except for like the person sitting next to him was like laughing their head <laughs> off because they totally got it but they didn't help him out or anything oh that's, so like that's literally me. that's my whole slice just that. so the the moral of the story yes is don't wear shirts that say prepare to die <laughs> when you go onto an airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I see mm-hmm. the merits of both sides. Of <laughs> <laughs> I think I it mean, depends what airline. Movie, I get it. I still say I'm not all that comfortable being on an airplane with someone who, whose shirt proclaims prepare to die on it, even in the context of an 80s movie joke. All right. And what if it was like just a shirt that you know proclaimed your your fandom of like a classic Samuel L. Jackson movie, and it just said, I love snakes on a plane? Mm. Would that be okay? It would. I wouldn't. Or that, that you, how about this? It just proclaims that you own the DVD. So it says, I have snakes on a plane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or no, how about this? So now we're making shirts. Or, or, or that you're traveling with the DVD. You're bringing it, you're going from your house with your DVD to a friend's house via so, airplane. So in my bag. So I brought snakes on a plane. It's in my bag. You don't wear a shirt that says it, but you may be telling your friend who's sitting across a couple aisles up. Hey, mm-hmm. did you bring the movie? Yeah, I, I, I brought snakes on a plane. Yeah. You have to yell down to them. Right. Yeah. Where are the snakes on the plane? I have snakes, snakes on a plane right here. It's right under my yeah. seat. <laughs> Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I'm just saying. I'm a movie what? buff. I'm, I'm a movie I'm watching guy. Princess Bride on my DVD yeah. player. What? what? Bullet to the head. It's a new movie. What? <laughs> this is America. It's good stuff. Good stuff. What do you have, Calvin? Well, I'd like to talk to you about a story that ever since reading it this morning has been a real pebble in my shoe um a giant boulder crashes into a utah home i'm not sure if you've heard about this but uh, a 63 year old utah woman is um recovering after a giant boulder estimated to be 12 feet long nine feet high nine feet thick rolled through her bedroom the corner of the house right into her bedroom uh knocking pushing away the bed and furniture almost four feet uh, she did sustain some energy. Uh, some in- some energy. <laughs> energy. She got she, well. She got energetic. She she, <laughs> she just sustained some inter- uh, injuries from it. Um, but uh, she actually did wake up hearing it r- rolling, the rumbling sound rolling down, wondering what is this. And well, then- to be fair, she recently. <laughs> Uh, had stolen an idol from an old temple <laughs> right. and had run all the way back to her house. She had it coming. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse, I don't know how I missed that angle. Uh. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because uh, she had... Uh, you she, left she, the she, stone unturned. Right. She had, oh, wow. So she had... She was renting the house. Dude, she's kind of in a rock and a hard place. Right? All right, all right. <laughs> she, she, she did not live there. She'd only been renting the house, and she'd only been there since December. So she had just moved in, and when she had looked at the place, uh, her and her friend had noticed this boulder 
on this mountain range and kind of wondered, uh, you sure, sure you're going to be okay? It looks like you know that might <laughs> fall down. I that mean, there's a bunch of like boulders. Roll down onto your house literally at any moment now. Right. Well, there, apparently there were more of them too. Rocks just laden the entire ridge, um, looming over her backyard that at any time could come tumbling down and, and destroy Did, what, them all. Did she live on the surface of the moon? Where I is think, this? I think so, yeah. Um, and so her friend had kind of, you said, you, you sure you want to move here? Look at this. And uh, the lady said, no, I'm sure we'll be fine. But so so now, obviously, the house is going to be back on the market. She's moving out of there. And um, so it kind of made me wonder, like, what the listing is going to say now, like on Craigslist. How are they going to how are they going to rent out this home? So it did get me thinking. Uh-huh. The top five Craigslist headlines for renting out this home. All right, here we go. I'm sure, I'm sure you're all looking forward to it. <laughs> Number five. Enjoy great Stonehill view from your brand new patio. <laughs> That's good. They, they, get, they get better. Number four. Just added trail going all the way up the mountain, which is nice, I think. You know, you can go out on long walks, sunset. Number three. This place is a gold mine. Well, maybe. There's a giant rock in your bedroom. We'll give you a chisel. Your chances are good. It's an investment property. Mm-hmm. Number two. Great place to get stoned. <laughs> that might appeal. <laughs> that might appeal to, <laughs> to a younger demographic. Right. Maybe. To the hippies or something. Yeah. It is Utah. This isn't, oh, it's pretty okay. close to Denver. And the number one Craigslist headline for renting out this home, simply, this house rocks. No. no it's how about how about this? At least the mortgage isn't underwater. <laughs> if this house is a rockin', don't come and knock it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, also included newly installed rock climbing wall. <laughs> Maybe they can just leave it and like put some some caulk around it and just it's new. Yeah. <laughs> They're fixed. It's just a textured wall. For, if it was a project that I'd be doing, I'd get about yeah. halfway through the caulking, then I'd lose <laughs> like, interest. Yeah, it's good. You gotta make a mixtape first. <laughs> Brand new 3D what wall. What would your mis- mixtape be for? Uh... It'd be a, it'd be a rock album. Ah, obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> it'd be like Petra means rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would all be about the rock, capital R. Mm. Yeah. It'd be Christian. It'd, it'd be, be a worship album. A worship album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant to like, the actor. The actor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dwayne like Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Spoken yeah. word album. <laughs> the rock. What if he did a worship album? <laughs> the rock Kennedy Center honors. The Rock cries out. <laughs> the, the, the Rock live from Red Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many things going on there. Singing to The Rock by The Rock at Red Rocks. It's yeah. his Christian worship album that he recorded with John Tesh. Featuring yeah. The Rockettes. Yeah. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. A great ballad about the country I rock. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. 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 All right, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Propaganda. You're listening to The Joy Formidable. The song is This Ladder Is Ours. Propaganda is an amazing uh, hip-hop artist on the Humble Beast label. He's, uh, he started out as a spoken word artist and kind of transitioned into, into rap and hip-hop, but you can hear the spoken word roots in his delivery and his style. Uh, his new album 
is is actually different than his previous releases. It, there's not one sample on it. All the guitars, vocals, keys, all live, all made from scratch by the band Beautiful Eulogy. Uh, if you like strong drums, street-level lyricism fused with philosophical poetry, you'll love propaganda. Uh, he opened for Lecrae on uh, the recent national tour and is doing some amazing stuff. Um, his album, Excellent, released last year, and you can read about him in the current issue of Relevant. Our very own managing editor, Tyler Huckabee, spoke to him for that piece, and here's a different part of the interview. Here's Propaganda. I engage a page turner, burner stage the fragrance. Raises similar to native sages, sage and unlocking a cage of praises for rock of ages. Let random rambling rappers rant and raving. Inflame verbs to your nerve endings. Literally feeling these words in my tendons and rattling occupants of the venue sinews. Why the eulogy be orchestrating continuous crescendos? Excellent been down since. So, prop, the story is that you got your start as a vicious, aggressive battle rapper in LA, but in listening to your album, you write on such a different level than others in the current hip-hop scene. Is that something you've, like, studied, or is it just finding inspiration in other places? I'm weird, bro. Like, (laughs) I listen to so much music that's not hip-hop. I mean, like, I'm a Sufjan Stevens fan, I'm a Cigarettes fan, I listen to Explosive Sky, like... Inky biz, like like I listen to this other world of music that I think resonates in the sense that like it resonates to anybody that's like a true hip hop fan or like an underground hip hop fan because you get the rawness of it. You know what I mean? I think that's why like for me I was I gravitated to folk music um, because I get its rawness. You know what I mean? Um, from a from a from a music perspective. To be honest, man, I, I feel like my trade secret is that I find inspiration from an entirely different genre of, of music to kind of like develop my pen. This ain't a game standing barrel, raise the banner. You should demand better, homie, raise the banner. Testify, rally cry under the banner. Shot, shot, he, he, see, follow the banner. For your children, for your neighbors, for your communities, follow the banner. Everybody unashamed, lock your arms, plant your feet, look around, they need you, follow the how do the things you listen to make you different? Well, um, that means that what comes out of me and then my um, the musical palette, like the song selection that I would choose when I make a record is going to be something that there's the, the trueness of the fact that, like I said, like hip hop's my native tongue. So like a, it will always be hip hop. But like my song selection and the, and the instrumentation uh, choices that I make come from the fact that I, I I I find joy and inspiration from a different world. Like like perfect example, the on on the excellent record, there's no sample. And that's like unheard of on a hip hop album. Like there's no sample. Like we played all those things. Every song has strings and like acoustic electric guitar. Like some of the snares and the drums are not actually drums. Some of them are like I, 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 I tell you no lie, they're jingling keys, <laughs> like like a keychain. Some of the drums are keys. Some of the drums are, believe it or not, chopping onions. Like it's onions, like you're chopping onions. And so like I pull from an entirely different like 
palette of, of sound. And I think that's what, like, comes out of the fact that, like, I draw inspiration from just a different world. Yo, and as your mama drops you off at the mall, remember as you scope out them dunks, and every bite you take of that number one animal style is a bite you stole from your daughter's tummy. Them dunks is about a month worth of diapers and food you finna put on your feet. Homie, this is your fault. Your, fault. your job, your, your job. responsibility. Your responsibility. Don't get mad when mama don't give you 20 bucks. It's your turn. I don't know what to tell you. And I ain't got an answer. I ain't got an answer. Man, I ain't got an answer. Are you optimistic about the future of Christians in hip hop or culture in general? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, it's like with anything, like, if the bar gets raised, then the cream of the crop rises, you know what I mean? And um, I think that that's best for everybody. I know a lot of times, like, there's this, there's this, this fine line we walk between, like, you know, that gracious, like, encouragement of, you know, the younger brothers or the younger sisters or, you know, those that are learning and still kind of in training, there's that. But then there's also the rightfully so and also gracious way of saying that sweetheart this is not your gift you know what I mean or mm-hmm. or like you're not ready yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and I think that if the bar is high enough then the listener will make that happen where it's like the it's like the market will speak like you're not up to par you know what I mean and I think that that's that's good for all of us you know what I mean it, it, it makes our 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 lives and our art be high art be lofty you know what I'm saying and it's and so I, 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 I'm optimistic I'm hoping that like with the success of people like like a Lecrae like a Reach Records you know what I'm saying like these dudes that are like have crossed over and have sold you know hundreds and thousands of uh, copies of their albums like I'm hoping that that that, that, that doesn't just like tell some kids be like oh well I'll be a Christian rapper because I can make millions yeah. no but they'll realize that like okay wait a minute this dude is really really good and and I'm not you know what I'm saying <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I need to work on my craft you know and taught a gospel that said that God had multiple images in mind when he created us in it. Therefore, destined salvation contains a contentment in the stage for which they were given, which is to be owned by your forefathers. Superior image-bearing face, says your precious puritans. And my anger towards this teaching screams of an immature doctrine and a misunderstanding of the gospel. I should be content in this stage, right? Isn't that what Paul taught? According to your precious what do you hope people take away from listening to you? The people who buy your albums or come to your shows. If there was one thing you would hope they would all leave with, what would you want it to be? I mean, obviously, I would want them to be impressed with with the God that I represent. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, and be hopefully moved to you know repentance. Um, but I think that like. If anything that they would just be like I think ultimately would just be in awe of what like the father can do with a person you know whether it's whether it's from like my honesty because I'm very honest in my music and you know whether or craftsmanship that they would be wowed by the artistry and by the performance by the packaging, but all of that, almost like if anything, I guess if I could if I could synthesize it, it would be be in awe of what you did see, 
to ultimately be in awe of what you did not see or what you can't huh. see. But ultimately to like be in awe of the God that all that created all this. You know what I'm saying? So like, I want to leave them in awe. Like I want them to, I want them to be wild. But ultimately, so that they can be wild about the Father that we serve. I feel like the Bible does that. Like, like whenever, um, whenever God's trying to prove His bigness, like He points to stuff that we know. Like, okay, how about this? Uh, who tells who tells the ocean to stop where it does? Yeah, get your brain around that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so He points to stuff that's so large that so we could be like, yeah, I never even thought of that. Where does the wind come from? I don't know. Where does it go after? I can't even get my brain around that. You know what I mean? So it's like you're blown away by what you do see so that you could be ultimately blown away by what you can't see. Blue rags and fell in love with players and in the end, oh, Spanglish. Stand on my own and rep the son of man and ran my own chest so I would never blend in. Loud. I ain't products. I ain't apologizing. Blue ain't a number. Bail no mining. Bring me along. We came to redefine it. Look all truth in his heart. That was Propaganda. Check out the new album, Excellent, at HumbleBeast.com. You're listening to Gliss. Song is A to B. Shane Hips is a pastor and author. He was the teaching pastor at Mars Hill uh, in Grand Rapids uh, from 2010 till last year, and he's written three books. Uh, his latest is called "Selling Water by the River." But I was introduced to Shane Hips's work uh, probably back in '08 when Rob Bell sent me an email. And he said, hey, I don't, I don't usually do this, but you really need to read this book. It was called Flickering Pixels by Shane Hips. And I don't usually read books that people email me about, but if Rob's going to go out of his way to say, hey, you need to read this, um, I did. It was substantial. It was life-changing. It was one of the most interesting and impactful and insightful books that I think a Christian leader has written in the last decade. Shane has some amazing insight and is saying some remarkable things. And so we talked to him in the new issue of Relevant. Uh, our very own Tyler Huckabee spoke to him. Here is Shane Hibbs. One of the things that, uh, that you say is just because Christianity claims Jesus as its own doesn't mean Jesus claims Christianity as his own. Can you unpack that? Yes. I went to a, a museum once and I saw a donor wall and the various names of donors were on this wall. And uh, there was one brick in the wall that simply said anonymous. And what that means is somebody had anonymously given money to this museum. And the reason I think that's an interesting thing is that um, we humans give gifts anonymously all the time. 
we don't need our name attached to it. We, we have the ability and the capacity and the power to make an impact without ever getting credit. One of the things I think is fascinating is Jesus does the same thing in the New Testament. Jesus is an anonymous donor. And he comes to people and gives gifts to them even when they don't ask and even when they don't have any idea who he is. At one point in the New Testament, Jesus walks up to a blind man. He smears mud on his face by spitting on the ground and then tells the guy to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Blind man does, his sight is returned. The blind man did not ask for Jesus to do anything. The blind man didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus gives gifts anonymously. That's what the famous Footprints poem is all about. Mm -hmm. It is this anonymous donation. And so what I think is important for Christians to consider is, is it possible that Jesus is at work in all kinds of places throughout the entire creation? where his name is not mentioned, but his gifts are being given. And I'd like for us to consider that possibility too. And I think that's what Paul does at the Acropolis at, at Mars Hill. He says, you have this statue to an unknown God. Well, I know the name of that God, and he's at work among you. This is an incredible teaching. This is a, a, a shocking reality that is biblical in nature. But Christians, for some reason, have come to this conclusion that we have a corner on the market of Jesus just because we bear his name. And I'd like to suggest, I think Jesus is so much bigger than the religion that bears his name. So, when we have an experience with Jesus, of a relationship with him, People are eager for some sort of terms or parameters to put on it, and we end up calling that religion. And we know it's not a perfect term, but maybe it's just the best thing we have. Yeah. What would be your response to that? I would say for those people that find religion extremely helpful, they should continue practicing it. Okay. I don't have any problem with it. I practice it. I'm a practicing Christian. That's a religion. I don't think that makes me any closer to Jesus than a Muslim. I don't know where Jesus is at work. He is so much bigger than I can fathom. The power of Christ, we are told in John, was with God at the beginning, before time existed. The power that animated the human being, Jesus, has no birthday, has no death day. There is no place in all of creation that this power that John tells us is the Logos which gets translated as the word in English, but it's this logos, this power that has no birthday, that has no death day. It can occupy any place at any time. There is no place while we live that is outside the domain of that power. And Jesus embodied that power fully. And when he left, that power still stayed. Now, many people have been hurt or wounded by religion, but they hear about this and it sounds really good. So how do we get past what we were raised in or what we've been taught culturally to do to tap into the working power of Jesus in the world? Well, I think the first step for anyone who would like to connect with that power is to first recognize that you want it. If you don't want it, it's not for you. 
Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. He did not say, everybody come to me, but if you're thirsty. Hmm. I came to help thirsty people. I came to help people who are sick. I did not come for the well. So if, you, if you're not thirsty, if you don't want it, if you don't long for it, if you don't crave it, that's not for you. You don't have to worry about it. But if you're thirsty, that's the place to start. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and I will give him. Streams of living water will flow from within him. What are some critiques or criticisms that you've heard to, to this idea? You have those people that have been wounded and abused by religion, and they go, thank God, finally somebody's telling the truth. You have people out there who are avid defenders of religion and who have found incredible life in religion and are angry and frustrated that I would be throwing religion under the bus. Of course, the problem with both of these responses is they've misunderstood which is fine. I mean, it's not like you can in two minutes explain the nuance of what I'm sure. describing. And I, I just gave you the sale metaphor in a much more robust way. Um, but I think they both misunderstand what I'm actually saying. So one group's like, I love religion. I, I found incredible life in it. And I think the world's better with Christianity than without it. Billions of lives are, have been transformed, my own included. I'm not jaded and angry and, and uh, about religion. Beautiful. I just think it needs to be more humble, a lot more humble. Shane, how have you in your own life brought more humility to your religion? It's probably my own awareness of my total and utter dependence on this power that created the universe. Mm -hmm. And that everything I come up with, all my concepts, words, and ideas, they're they just don't capture and never can contain the vastness of this power. And so maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make... I, I heard it said this way once. There was a, a king who had several uh, wise people, and uh, he drew a line on a board, and he said, I want you to make this line shorter without doing anything to the line. And I, all the wise men couldn't figure out how to do this. And then finally the court gesture came up, and then what he did is he walked up and he drew a bigger line next to it. And he said, there, your line is shorter now. Hmm. And in a way, I think you can't really do anything to make yourself humble. All you can do is place yourself next to something that is so much bigger. You automatically find yourself smaller. <laughs> and that bigger thing is this wind this breath, it's this gift, it's this grace, it's this love that is so vast, so much bigger than all of the boundaries and categories and words that I use to bind it up. That was Shane Hips. Check out Selling Water by the River anywhere books are sold. Or check out shanehips.com. listening to Widows Speak. The song is Perennials from their album Almanac. Alright, it's time for your feedback. 
Last week, we asked you to tell us your bed, <laughs> your best David Caruso one-liners. If you didn't hear the episode, uh, we played, uh, I don't know how we got on it, but we played a YouTube clip of all these uh, David Caruso lines from CSI Miami where he would then you know, say the thing and take off his sunglasses or put his sunglasses back on. And then it, it, it generally involves discovering some sort of murder scene. Yeah. And then he would say this pithy statement and then the intro song would kick off yeah. immediately. It was just epic television. And so it got us thinking, we want to know, we, we want more scenes. CSI Miami is, is gone. We need more. We asked you to tell us your best ideas for the scene and then the David Crusoe one-liner. You went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You hit us up on Facebook and Twitter as well. Here's some of our favorites. Well, Zach Johnson, here's how he sets the scene. Horatio stands over a badly mutilated body, the face of which has been grotesquely mauled. Mm -hmm. After finding fur on the body, he says, monkey's in Miami. I'm not in for any monkey business. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Um, Did you... I don't know if you noticed, but the majority of the comments on the pod, well, on this first page of the podcast, uh, on the relevant pod, relevant magazine dot pod, whatever, <laughs> what I'm looking at right now, um, the comments about this, they have actually created these little faces, the little faces with the parentheses with that are kind of animating face without sunglasses, <laughs> sunglasses in movement, and then sunglasses on face. <laughs> and then other people kind of picked it up and copied and pasted it and put it in. And that way you can kind of see the action moment of when he's putting on the sunglasses, taking them off. It's, it's brilliant. Um, this is a good one. Scene is the relevant studio. Detective says to Horatio, Love Drug finished performing and immediately fell dead. Horatio says, Well, Detective, it appears. Animated, put us on sunglasses. Love isn't the only drug they were given. <laughs> Do the good. scream. Jesse, we, we need the scream. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, this one's from Christine uh, Schofield. Rush Hour 4 is being filmed. The long-awaited Rush Hour 4, mm-hmm. m- might I note, is being filmed <laughs> in Miami. So there's a scene where Jackie Chan finds Chris Tucker passed out on a couch, but soon they find out he wasn't acting. Jackie and the crew can't revive him. Horatio and Eric investigate the crime scene. Horatio sighs and says, Well, Eric, looks like this movie franchise puts on his sunglasses. is all tuckered out. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, David Michael Moore said... um, a guy's uh, Broadway musical wasn't getting enough publicity, so the producer decided he would kill the uh, show's lead so that he could grab headlines. Horatio says he wanted to be front page news so badly, he buried the lead. Yeah! <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. That this is a little journalism joke. I like, I like it. <laughs> you know who buries the lead on our podcast? Jesse. <laughs> almost, almost always. I just bring <laughs> such dynamic stories that there are multiple angles to look at them, and I'll often start at the most obscure one, <laughs> <laughs> the most non-intuitive one. I like this comment from David Michael Moore. We're dealing with a very peculiar serial killer. All of his victims have been monorail passengers. You could say he has a puts on sunglasses, one-track mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
David, <laughs> David Michael Moore did like seven of them. David Michael Moore has too much time on his yeah, hands. Yeah, he does. Like like this other one from David Michael Moore that made me laugh. <laughs> the victim is face <laughs> the victim is face down in a riverbed. He's been struck in the back and robbed while prospecting for gold. Okay, so I'm picturing this victim like a stereotypical old gold prospector. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. that's the victim. The old prospector. Looks like his job. Glasses on didn't pan out. (laughs) 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 That's a good one. That's incredible. These are good. good These are good. Above and beyond this week. Yeah. Oh, David Michael Moore did another great one. (laughs) By studying the rock formations in this cave, we can ascertain the victim died spelunking six months ago. Isn't that amazing, Horatio? Remind me not to take limestone. Puts on his sunglasses. For granite. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah! laughs> so dumb. Yeah. These are so dumb. This is the dumbest question of the week we've ever done. <laughs> we have so but many. Yet, yet they turned out in droves. Yeah, right? the most comments. If we were time. to ask, like, what what should we do, like, you know, about you know our Christian leaders and public discourse and the president and nothing, crickets. <laughs> what do you believe about such a crickets? Write fictional scenes for a canceled TV show <laughs> that is over the top and ridiculous. Boom! Like yeah, they they, they struck a nerve. They stay up till four in the morning, <laughs> working on it. Hey, babe, can you finish the signing project? No, no, no. I got to come up with David Caruso one-liners. <laughs> I almost got it. Something granite. <laughs> <laughs> you I can know. tell you just work backwards. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, he starts yeah. to pan out. He works the pan out. Yeah, he says, one, yeah. Come to bed. Hold on. Hold on. His wife just said, David Michael Moore, come to bed. First of all, why are you calling me by my full name? Second of all, I'll be there in some trouble. I almost got it figured out. Granite. Limestone. I got it. <laughs> Spelunking. All right. That'll do it for last uh, week's feedback. If you want to join in, do so at your own risk. It's at the <laughs> last week's ed- episode page. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. All right. So earlier in the podcast, I, I let y'all in a little bit on... My, our personal life. You know, <laughs> we're friends here. I'm letting you know what's going on. I'm a little tired because of my mixtape. Mm-hmm. So it got us thinking about mixtapes. And I'm catching some grief for a couple of my selections on, on you know, the old Instagram and podcast or uh, Facebook. And so, you know, I'm going to say to you, you do better. Mm. So what we want you to do is your ultimate late 2000 I'm trying to woo a really hot girl or a guy mixtape. <laughs> you mean early 2000? Late 2000, the year That's, of 2000. Oh, oh, oh 2000. I okay. met Maya at the end of 2000. This mixtape would have happened either around oh. Christmas of 2000 or January of 2001. Hmm. It, was, it was early. It was yeah. early. It was a, hey, hey I'm cool. Right. I like you. Here's Cameron. some Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> I have a wide range of interests. You can't label me based on my musical tastes. Points will be deducted if you choose something that came out in 2001 or later. Uh, if it came it has to be before March of 2001. Okay. But if, but if there's like an oldie but a goodie that you feel like belongs. Well, yeah, like I did some old school hip hop. It yeah. showed a little range of my interests. Yeah. So your perfect woo a girl at Christmas of 2000, no Christmas music. If you if woo a girl at the end of 2000 or a guy, 
what would your ultimate mixtape be? Girls don't make mixtapes, I don't think. Mm, I disagree with okay, that. Okay, how about this? Oh, really? If you're a girl, the ultimate mixtape that you would want to receive from oh, your yeah. perfect man. Mm-hmm. So we want to know what your ultimate late 2000, uh, I'm going, I'm trying to woo a girl or I want to be wooed by this guy mixtape mm-hmm. would be. Head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com or hey, just make a Spotify playlist. <laughs> we could do that too. Yeah, link, yeah. link to it. Yeah. Link to it. Many thanks to Propaganda for talking to us. Uh, make sure to check out his new album at humblebeast.com. Follow him on Twitter at Prop Hip Hop. Prop Hip Hop. Uh, and also thanks to Shane Hips. Uh, find out more about his new book, Selling Water by the River, uh, at shanehips.com and follow him on Twitter at Shane Hips. Nice little uh, evolution of the notes there. Thank you. Uh, I had a lot of I didn't have Twitter much spare love. time this this week because we've been talking music all week but I thought I'd throw that in there <laughs> little, little Twitter yeah. uh, handles Twitter, Twitter, Twitter love you know uh, on that note we'll wrap it up I'm at Cameron Strang I'm at Maya Strang I'm Calvin Kearley at <laughs> <laughs> I am at a disappointment you are you <laughs> are Jesse a disappointment Carey. on Twitter <laughs> like I said soon 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 and very soon and that's Chad Michael Snavely at Chad underscore Michael underscore spelled out <laughs> <laughs> it's all I can it's really, do guys it's, it's all really confusing, confusing. <laughs> there's all Chad that was Michaels left out there. Yeah. a lot that, of that Chad Michael Chad by the time Michael you just took when you hit a reply to him you only have seven yeah. characters left <laughs> yeah. for, for whatever you're gonna say <laughs> Yeah, when he retweeted Mark Driscoll, it just said, praying for the president. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) That's great. Everyone's like, oh, Oh, such a nice guy. Mark, what? Little did they know, Chad has radical political beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. Yeah, see what we did there? (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. If John Lovitz is in it, it holds up.